July 13th, 2023. You are at JC on the line. How you doing, kids? Well, that was interesting last night. We were down in town and country at uh, Katie's Pizza. <sighs> Katie's Pizza is so good. Those uh, fried artichokes. I don't know where she ever came up with the idea for that. You know, Katie's Pizza, it's a really interesting story. Uh, I may have told the story recently. I apologize if I have. I can never remember what I did and didn't do. And it was one thing when I had Lori Mack <laughs> sitting across from me, and she could say, hey, dumbass, you already told that story like a week ago. You don't even remember. I don't have anybody to help me out. It's a one-man band here. But, uh, yeah, you know, Katie was, you know, her father owned that pizza place across from the Esquire Theater. And she studies, you know, culinary arts, I guess, and gets out of college and figures – I'll go work in the pizza place and just found the whole thing, I guess, sort of unfulfilling and just was sitting there one day and said, you know what? I'm taking off. And so she spent, I don't know, something like a year, year and a half overseas in Italy. I guess it was somewhere near the Tuscany region. And she just studied food and restaurant touring and stuff like that. And then took a lot of those ideas and brought them back over here. And that's why when you go to Katie's Pizza, stuff doesn't taste like, and it didn't even look like 
any of the other food around here. I'm always surprised and I guess sort of disappointed too when I post a picture like I did the other night from Katie's and say, oh my gosh, it's just so great to be in St. Louis and to be eating at Katie's Pizza. And people, you know, I've never been there. It's like, how can you not be at Katie's Pizza? It's like saying you've never been to the pasta house. Get out, live a little bit, try something new. That is the one thing that I really notice when I'm back in St. Louis because we bounce back and forth between here and Florida. When I'm back in St. Louis, it's that that mentality. The mentality here is a little bit non-adventurous. Let's just sort of leave it at that. Anyhow, you guys work on that stuff. I'll work on my own stuff. Uh, Afton, Lime, power lines still down, trees, damage, roofs, that sort of stuff. But we were down, uh, like I said, uh, having dinner right when the storm hit. Now, that was complicated by the fact that I was in an ongoing text conversation with my sister because if you saw what happened last night, right about dinner time, all hell broke loose in Chicago. And sometimes people will say Chicago, but they really mean one of the suburbs that's like, you know, 30 or 40 miles away from the city. In this particular case, I can't ever remember a situation where you had multiple tornadoes on the ground in Cook County, which is where. Chicago is, and which is where I grew up. So now I'm watching it. My sister's going, turn on Channel 5 in Chicago. So I went, you know, stream that. And they're telling people to get off the Stevenson Expressway, which is the highway that takes you right into downtown Chicago and the Loop at Lakeshore Drive. And they're basically saying this tornado is going right down the highway. Get the fuck off the highway. So people were jumping off the highways. Not literally, but you know what I mean. And then they start using the Midway Airport Earth Cam, and I grew up two blocks from that airport, and I'm basically watching my neighborhood with tornadoes on the ground. It's freaky. And all this was going on when we were trying to enjoy our fried artichokes at Katie's Pizza, and then the storm went through here. It was raining sideways for a good chunk of time, but it was over and done with in about five minutes. Now, it rained after that, but the severe stuff and the sideways rain, that all ended pretty quickly. And then, for whatever reason, it intensified and took out parts of uh, South County. Still watching that story out of Madison County, Illinois. Uh, You know, this is going to be an interesting lawsuit because, on one hand, you don't want truckers out on the roads when they're too tired how many ever tons those things weigh, those 18-wheelers. You don't want somebody operating that thing if they're not alert, all right? And there are even laws that prevent truckers from even operating an 18-wheeler if they've been on the road a certain number of hours. They are required to pull off the road and, you know, get some sleep, and a lot of them sleep right in the truck itself. And some of them are, you know, relatively comfortable. There, there was a, I remember the first time we had Vanna White in the studio with us back in 1987. And she said, this is my second trip to St. Louis. I'm like, oh, really? When, you know, what brought you here before? She said, I was doing a promotional appearance when I was just modeling. And they're like, we need some models to uh, come to St. Louis. There's this thing called truck light. I'm like, truck light, what's that? She goes, exactly what it sounds like. The little light that you would, I don't know, plug into your cigarette lighter or something like that. And, you know, for the truckers who were sleeping in their rigs, there was this light. So, anyhow, the other night, these guys over in Madison County, Illinois, you know, and you've seen this, especially if you drive late at night for whatever reason, you uh, pull off the highway and the exit ramps, one 18-wheeler after another, they're all lined up on the shoulder. And so you certainly understand things from that standpoint because 
Nobody, there's, there's no like area for the truckers to use, no designated area. Sometimes they use Walmart parking lots. But a lot of times, like I said, they just pull over to the shoulder of an exit ramp and the guys go to sleep and then they wake up and then take off and complete their route. Well, this bus, for whatever reason, gets off the highway. Bus drivers need to rest, too, and go to the bathroom. I haven't been on a Greyhound bus since college. I used to take a Greyhound in from DeKalb into Chicago all the time. It was cheap. I think you get a round trip for like $17 or something. It wasn't exactly deluxe accommodations. Some of the buses had toilets. Most of them did not. And if you've got like, you know, 30, 40, 50 people on a bus and one toilet, obviously your options are limited. So this guy, it's the middle of the night, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and he pulls off 55 in Madison County, Illinois. And I'm not exactly sure why he hit the trucks, but it must have surprised the bus driver in some way. And he just basically sheared off one side of the bus. Three people dead, 14 injured. It's going to be a hell of a lawsuit, a hell of a lawsuit. Speaking of lawsuits, and it just was like two seconds ago, didn't you hear me? I've been wondering about this, and I finally found it, and it's a breakout of how the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County, everything like that, is going to be able to use the Stan Kroenke money, $790 million. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that I know anything about how this money was broken down and appropriated but I'm going to take an educated guess, I think, and say that the reason they're not telling us anything, the reason you haven't heard this as like some big story on the news is because they understand that no matter what they say, somebody's going to be pissed off that they didn't get any of the money. So $250 million goes to the city of St. Louis, $169 million goes to St. Louis County, $70 million goes to the Regional Convention and Sports Complex Authority, $30 million is going to the Convention Center expansion. They're going to take $30 million and try to do something with the goddamn dome since we don't have a football team anymore. $30 million is not really that much money when you're talking about the size of the convention center and the dome and everything like that. That's not really that much money, believe it or not. I said they should turn the thing into a Chick-fil-A. They seem to be doing pretty well. Plus, they close on Sunday, and then the Battlehawks can play in there. I, I put some thought into this, okay? $30 million goes to convention center expansion. $275 million, that is the biggest chunk out of all of this money that's been appropriated, $275 million goes to legal fees. Man, did the lawyers clean up on this one. Now, if your name or your organization or your municipal department is not on this list, you can understand them sitting there going, hey, how come we didn't get any money? You couldn't just give us like $5 million, $3 million, a million for some community centers, some basketball courts or to take a park that's all run down and make it nice. No, but this was, you know, this was a no win situation. No matter how this thing broke out, somebody was going to be unhappy. Cardinals get to resume their season tomorrow night, unfortunately, against the Nats at Bush Stadium. This is going to be an interesting two weeks because the trade deadline is coming up and the speculation is just running rampant as to what's going to end up happening with the Cardinals. They're certainly not going to be buying. They're probably going to be selling, and the question is, who are they selling and what are they going to get in return? And that's going to tell you a lot about the way the Cardinals are thinking about their own organization because if they trade people like 
Goldschmidt, which I think they are going to do, and you get a couple of young arms that are going to take a couple of years to fully mature, well, then that's the Cardinal organization basically telling you, we're rebuilding, at least on some level. Like I said, next two weeks going to be very, very interesting, and I'm guessing probably it's going to end up disappointing a lot of people. The Major League Baseball pitchers, I think they got a good point. They uh, know the playoffs are going to be coming up here at the halfway point of the season, obviously. And they're like, uh, you know, Major League Baseball, hey, guys, are you thinking about this? We've had a couple of instances with the pitch clock where something really embarrassing happens or a game ends because there's a violation of the pitch clock, and you don't want that in the playoffs. You know, you don't want a one-game playoff in October and some guy steps out of the batter's box, calls timeout, forgets that he already called timeout, or some pitcher just doesn't get the ball up there in the 25 seconds. You don't want a game being decided that way. Rob Manfred, the Major League Baseball commissioner, has been reticent to listen to the pitchers. He thinks everything's just fine. I think the pitchers are right. Even if you just added five more seconds, it seems a little rushed. I don't mind the idea of the pitch clock, and all of the research seems to indicate that it's been very well received by the fans. So, okay, keep the pitch clock, but maybe put a couple extra seconds on it, especially for playoffs. You know the thing we're going to miss? I was thinking about this the other day. You know the drama that builds up in the playoffs, especially late in the game where you know you get a pinch hitter or something like that. Now the guy comes strolling out. Walks up to the batter's box, crowd's going crazy. Just think of the Kirk Gibson thing, for example. Remember how long it took for him to come out of the dugout and then get in the batter's box, and then you know, there's all this strategy going on, and then they cut to the shot of Tommy Lasorda in the dugout, and then you see Eckersley, and then you see La Russa, and all this stuff is going on. You don't want to rush that. You don't want to rush that, especially in the playoffs of the World Series. you got to let that play out they got to do something about the pitch clock because this is going to be a problem. And Manfred's wrong. I think the pitchers are right. Let's see what happens. People seem pretty happy about the signing of Oscar Sundquist back with the Blues for a one-year deal. City SC loses in Los Angeles last night 3-0. Next game Saturday against Miami. Dick Vitale's got vocal cord cancer. And it was on this date back in 1972 that Tom Eagleton was nominated for vice president of the United States at the Democratic National Convention. He was going to be Hubert Humphrey's vice president. And a couple of days after the nomination, somebody dug up some stuff and found out that Tom had been treated with uh, for depression, and they had to rescind the offer, and it really damaged Tom. And, and I knew Tom Eagleton reasonably well. He was a neighbor of some friends of mine. My daughter used to trick-or-treat at his house. I used to see Tom periodically. I remember flying back from Chicago from a Cubs Cardinals series once, and we were sitting next to each other. And he was hard of hearing, but we did manage to have some really interesting conversations. And I would see him socially from time to time. He was a wonderful man. And the United States of America, in my opinion, didn't deserve Tom Eagleton. He was too good for this country. But I mentioned it as part of sports because people forget we wouldn't have had that 20-year run of the Rams and a Super Bowl and all that sort of stuff had Tom Eagleton not negotiated that deal. And some people were critical of it later on when they figured out, hey, wait a minute, it's a 20-year lease and they can bail out, which they did, obviously. But that's what he was told. He did what he was told. They said, look, you're our point guy. You know everybody. You're a good negotiator. 
Just get a fucking football team in here. We got a dome that we built, and this is going to be an absolute freaking disaster if we don't get an NFL team. So get one. We don't care how you do it. Just get us a team. And so that's what Tom did. And it was years later, like I said, people started criticizing the deal, but they weren't around when the deal was put together and Tom did exactly what he was told to do. Too many people yapping about stuff they don't know anything about. It was on this date in 1990. It was in New York. They said, we got this movie that is uh, got Matthew Broderick in it. It's called The Freshman. You want to come in and do some interviews? I'm like, sure. So we see the movie, and we're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Marlon Brando is doing his Godfather character. You can't. What? What is this? Well, it turned out to be a very, very charming movie. And one of the other stories I like about it is that you know, you, you might remember if you saw the movie, there was a subplot involving a Komodo dragon, one of those things that looks like a little dinosaur, a little alligator or something, and they're reasonably docile. They got two problems, though. They're really hungry for mice all the time, white mice, and also they got rotten vision. Now, I, I, I tell you that part of the story ahead of time for this reason. The actress, Sharon Stone, you know, from Basic Instinct, she marries some guy out in San Francisco who's, I believe it was a newspaper publisher, millionaire guy. Of course, it's Sharon Stone. Who's she going to get, right? A millionaire mogul. And this guy, for whatever reason, who knows, maybe it was the movie The Freshman that uh, stimulated him to develop an affinity for Komodo dragons. And on his birthday, she says, hmm, I got an idea. If you like Komodo dragons, let's do that. So she goes to like the zoo and says to the guy, I'm Sharon Stone. Remember my snatch? They're like, yeah, cool. What do you want? Yeah, my husband likes Komodo dragons. If I bring him in here for his birthday, can you arrange a meet and greet? Signed backstage at a Taylor Swift concert. And I guess the guys were like, yeah, sure. Just come on back. So she comes back with the husband and they put him in like some sort of enclosure with a Komodo dragon. He's all excited. And the Komodo dragon sort of comes lumbering up to him. I don't know if you can scratch the neck of a Komodo dragon or whatever, but the Komodo dragon comes lumbering up to him. Like I said, they're relatively docile creatures. And the next thing you know, the Komodo dragon has Sharon Stone's husband's foot in a death grip. And these things apparently have jaws that are like alligators. They sort of look like a little alligator anyhow. They have jaws like an alligator and and bites right through the guy's shoe and through the foot and devours part of the guy's foot. The guy loses part of his foot on his birthday because his wife, Sharon Stone, took him into a Komodo dragon cage and then they figured it out. The husband was wearing a pair of white sneakers and remember when I told you about that thing about how they got rotten eyesight and like white mice? The Komodo dragon thought that the guy's shoes were giant white mice. And so he comes lumbering. <laughs> guy lost part of his foot. Can you imagine how that would resurface in a marriage years later? The husband does something wrong. The wife starts complaining. The husband says, oh, yeah, well, at least I'm not responsible for having half of my foot bitten off. And you could work that for decades in a marriage. Live Aid on this date back in 1985. A billion people were watching that thing. And a lot of people watched it from basements. You know, you, 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 there were there were big watch parties because the thing went on all day and into the night. And people, the word started to spread. 
I remember exactly where I was on that date, and everybody, it seems, watching this. You know, go driving down the street, and you see it in storefront windows. And, you know, people sitting in people's basements, you know, those awful Wayne's World paneled basements with some old couch that probably should have been thrown out two decades ago. But everybody's piled in down there watching Live Aid. And, uh, you know, Freddie Mercury and Queen did um, Radio Gaga, Mick Jagger, and Tina F- Tina Fey, Tina Turner were out there. It was on this date in 85. I kept wanting to play Riders on the Storm this morning. I kept forgetting to do it and eventually never did get to it. The reason I mention that is because of the storm last night and because of this thing from Rayman's Eric. Now, this is actually a 10-minute piece. I'm only going to play a very short edit of it. If you want, just Google Rayman's Eric Riders on the Storm and it'll come up right away. But I just absolutely find this fascinating. Got to understand something that L.A. Woman came out when I was just, it was the summer right before I went into college in 1971. And I was undergoing a musical reawakening. Everything up until then for me was top 40 radio and Frida Payne, Band of Gold and stuff like that. And right about 71 is when I started to go over to the FM side and there were some stations in Chicago. They were playing a lot of singer-songwriter stuff and you're hearing music that you had never heard before. Grateful Dead, James Taylor, Joni Mitchell, the Blue Album came out right about that time. And like I said, for me, it was a real musical reawakening that was going on back then. And the L.A. Woman album came out in 71, and then Jim Morrison died in early July of 71. And then the album seemed to take on even more importance. And I've talked about this before, and it's amazing how many people still don't know this. And when I tell them to do it, they do it. And then they send a note back to me and go, I can't believe I never noticed this. But you got to put a pair of headphones on or earbuds or something, and you have to have a good sound system. You can't put crappy earbuds in. But you'll hear this either way. It's just whether you'll hear it well or not. But on Riders on the Storm, what Jim Morrison did is he sang all the lyrics and then went back and overdubbed all of the lyrics that he sang with a whisper. So in other words, he went, Riders on the Storm, and then went back after he did all of the lyrics and sang them and went, Riders on the Storm. And if you listen with a pair of earbuds in, you will hear that. And the first time you notice it, you will say to yourself, how did I never know that? How did I never hear that? It's really cool. But anyhow, a couple of years back, I think it was in, yeah, 2012, Ray Manzarek put together a little video where he talked about some of the things that he did with the electric piano in the recording of Riders on the Storm. Here's a short sample. Like I said, you can listen to the whole thing at your leisure. So one day we're jamming in the studio, I mean in our rehearsal studio, in the Doors workshop before uh, we got, uh, before we started recording. And uh, for some reason or another, Robbie was playing his twang guitar. And we were doing, uh, old cowpoke went riding out on dark and windy day. And uh, Jim said, I got lyrics for that. I got lyrics for that. And he had uh, Riders on the Storm. Riders on the Storm. And I said, wait, wait, okay, that's great, man. Riders on the storm. We can't, but we can't do to, we can't do Vaughn Monroe. Or the old cow poke went riding out one dark and windy day. So I said, let me see what I can do with this. And he 
here's what I came up with. We gotta put some jazz to it, make it dark. And sure enough, this is what happened. But before we get to that, oh, oh, oh Jerry Chefs, when he, when he comes in, we've got the whole thing together, and Jerry Chef says, what's the bass line? I said, like, simple. E minor, A major. He said, oh, man, that's impossible. I said, what, for you? That's not impossible. Let's, look at this. It's like nothing to it. And he said, uh-uh. That's, that's on the piano, right? That's on the keyboard. Sure, that works great on the keyboard. There's nothing to it. Watch this on the bass guitar, and I don't know what the hell he did. He had to go through machinations, like turning his wrist up virtually upside down, inside out, trying to play it. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, man, but it sounds so good. And it's so easy on the keyboard that you got to play this. And he went, okay, okay, I'll play it. And here's the rain part. Thunder. After we finished the song, he said, Oh man, I've got super rain and thunder. It's riders on the storm. It's raining on the desert, right? Yeah, exactly, Bruce. Raining on the desert. He said, we got to put in some, uh, uh, some rain and thunder. So sure enough, I mean, the whole thing starts with... And then that bass line. I'm telling you, I could listen to something like that all day. That goes on for like another seven or eight minutes. Like I said, you just Google Ray Manzarek, Riders on the Storm, it'll come up. And you can see it gets very, very interesting towards the end. I don't want to ruin it for you. So I'm assuming that a lot of you will go there when you're done with the podcast here in a couple of minutes and listen to the rest of that. It's really cool. Really happy for Jason Sudeikis, who's one of the good guys in this business. It's interesting because his career is just thriving. 21 nominations for Ted Lasso yesterday for the Emmys. His personal life is a wreck. He used to be married to Olivia Wilde, and those two are just at each other's throats constantly. But I found him to be a really interesting guy, nice guy. And also, I know some people in Kansas City who know him, and they're like, he's the coolest guy ever. All right, birthdays today. Ken Jeong from The Hangover Murders, 54. Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob, another funny guy, 61. Cameron Crowe, writer-director of Jerry Maguire, almost famous, Say Anything, Vanilla Sky, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, used to be married to Nancy Wilson of Heart, 66 today. Michael Spinks. 67, Tony Kornheiser from ESPN, 75, Cheech Marin, 77, Harrison Ford, 81, Roger McGuinn of the Birds, 81, Patrick Stewart, Captain Jean-Luc Picard is 83. The lights went out in New York City, a blackout for 25 hours on this date, 1977, 46 years ago today. And in 1990, Ghost, Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze, Whoopi Goldberg, and 
Tony Goldwyn came out 1990. And I try like hell not to tell dad jokes, especially on the podcast, especially on the radio show. And even around my daughter, who's going to be 14 in September, they just don't, you know, my wife and my daughter have no tolerance for stupid jokes and especially dad jokes. That having been said, I think the thing that Will Ferrell and um, Mark Wahlberg do, I think it's hilarious for some reason where they, they sit facing one another and tell dad jokes. Like, do you hear about the guy with a fear of hurdles? He got over it. What do fish use to get high? Seaweed. What do you use to cook swamp reptiles? A crock pot. I just read a book about glue. I couldn't put it down. <laughs> Why did the moron put pieces of asphalt on his tortillas? He wanted to make street tacos. What these things are good for is Halloween jokes. This bullshit of kids going door to door and not telling you a joke. You ring the doorbell, you answer the door, you go there, and they just stare at you. It's like, no, no. That's your, who told you how to do this? They taught you wrong. Now tell me a freaking joke or you're not getting anything. And when my daughter was like four, five years old, because this is the key, because it's, it is being delivered by a four or five-year-old little girl dressed up like in a Cinderella outfit or something, that's the key to the whole thing. But she would go and they go, oh, tell us a joke. And she what do you get when you cross an elephant with a rhinoceros? And people would look around like, well, at least this is a new one. I don't know. What do you get when you cross an elephant with a rhinoceros? The punchline, of course, Elephino. Good morning, everybody. And with that, the J.C. Corcoran Podcast for Thursday, July 13th, 2023 is in the can. Now, we're off until Monday. Now, we do the podcast Monday through Thursday here at jconthelinecom Please tell your friends that we're here doing this and remind them that we're on the air every morning now at 101.5 St. Louis, 101.7 West and beyond. You can stream now if you're having reception issues because we're still tweaking the transmitter a little bit. And you can just go and listen online, kwolf.com, K-W-U-L-F. Com on from 5.30 to 10 every weekday morning. That's it. Have a great day. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later, babe. He said, we got to put in some uh, some rain and thunder. So sure enough, I mean, the whole thing starts with... The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.